In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we look at a song that came out at the perfect time, but somehow remains timeless. I disagree with the conservative 13-year-old version of myself and embrace this song for everything that it is. And we are finally able to indulge in our succotash wish. You're listening to our take on D-Light's Groove is in the Heart. So, Bill, I know when we pick the songs that we feature on the podcast, they usually have some sort of special place to us. And when I suggested Groove is in the Heart by Delight, I think we both said, like, yes, absolutely. This is a fantastic song. Exactly. Yeah. The place it has in my heart didn't happen until much later in the song's existence. When this song first came out in 1990, I did not like it at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm 13 years old, and I remember distinctly, I'm being driven to a volleyball game, and I'm in grade eight, so it's kind of a big deal. And I'm sitting in the van going to the game, the song comes on the radio and everyone else is, oh, this is such a good song. And one of the rare instances that I have that I actually spoke my mind said, I don't like this song. I don't like this song at all. It has that really retro psychedelic feel to it. Yeah. And this is 1990. This is 1990. Yeah. And I was much more conservative as a 13 year old. I'm like, hippie psychedelics, they did the drugs. This song can't be good because they're drug adjacent. You're right. In terms of like the dangers of it that were felt because you're coming just out of the 80s. It's 1990 and the 80s kind of hated the 70s. Yeah. And then something happened. And it's interesting that happens in 1990 because it's the beginning of a new decade. It feels like a fire. So we often will have a fire at our house and often I leave the wood outside in the snow and so it's a problem and this is a big fight and I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> but... You wait long enough, you smoked out the room because you're drying the wood, and then suddenly, the fire lights. It smolders, and then it just ignites. Something was smoldering through the 80s, underneath, even though you have your whole Reaganomics stuff going on. Yeah, the war on drugs and all that. Yeah, Yeah. but something was smoldering, and then boom, out comes Delight with this song that just feels like it's out of nowhere to us. Yeah. There's a whole house music culture is that what they call it yeah yeah it was house music (laughs) okay we are the least likely people to talk about this we'll get to that but this might be a really short episode we have nothing to say (laughs) other than we really like the song now i love this song and when it came out i knew it was cool but it felt so not so dangerous just so removed from everything i understood but that there's something super cool going on there and I didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was it was psychedelic and I watched the movie Yellow Submarine and I didn't understand it and it scared me and this reminded me of that movie. That's right. I find Yellow Submarine unwatchable. So you're not wrong there. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and Woodstock I found unwatchable. Of course, I tried to watch it when I was 10. It might be different now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. So you did come around to like this song, though. Oh, absolutely. How, when did that happen? Probably happened about six years later. I think it sort of like grew on me. But then when I was in university, either I was at a party or at a club or something like that, and it came on. And I just saw everyone loving this song because everyone was about the same age as me. So it comes out on the dance floor at either like a retro night or something like that at a club or at one of these parties. And everyone just explodes into this like frenzy. Everyone loves this song. It's such a danceable song. It's such a fun song. And that's when I clued in just like, no, this song is amazing. There's lots of great songs, but this might be Mm -hmm. a perfect song. There's something about it that when it came out, it felt like nothing else that I'd heard. And even as the years went on, all through the 90s, I couldn't tell when it had come out because it felt like it could come out at any moment. Yeah. And that's the weird part. It it does have elements of like 1990, but there's enough going on there and enough interesting things going on there that it's always retro. Yeah. And so you could have done it in 2000. Yeah. You still could have put it out today. Like it just exists in its own space. It's pretty special. Yeah, exactly. Right? So... Why don't we talk about Delight, Frank? Oh, the band. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. Frank, a question for you. Did you struggle typing Delight into the computer because I didn't realize there was three E's and it had to keep correcting me? No, because I just typed in Groove is in the heart and then it said Song by Delight. Just like, yep, that's the one. Yeah. And this is their first single. First single, first album. First album. World Click. Yeah. And one of the really neat things about this album, because I got it after the fact, uh, like in the mid, late 90s, and the very first song is called the D-Light Theme. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've listened to it. Yeah, I did. I remember specifically, I was taking a class in university, like a global geography class, which wasn't about like physical geography, but it was all more about like information sharing and the concept of the global village. And they reference, we're here from the global village and we're all one. And that I thought was really neat. In 1990, they're talking about the global village, about how information and technology is kind of bringing us all closer together, even though it keeps us physically separated a little yeah, yeah. bit. There is that sort of hope that the, you know, the things coming were going to do. Yeah, it was an inclusive thing, right? Like it was going to bring us all together and make us all not trolls on the internet that send nasty comments to amazing podcasts that talk about music. Yeah, wow, that was specific, Frank. Yeah. Yeah, this is the band, World Click. We're all one in the World Click. You know, in the early 90s, the internet's not really a thing. Or at least it's not commonplace. You know, fax machines are just starting to catch on kind of a thing. Yeah. There's no cell phones or anything like this. So any of this like technology or or anything that is linking us all together in this global village isn't around. I know we're going to talk about the band and and the album and all that other sort of stuff. But I really liked that right in their their first song on the album, their delight theme. They're talking about these great sort of concepts and ideas that they're bringing us all together. And it's post- Berlin Wall coming down, because that's, I think, 89? I think it's 89. Yeah, so just Berlin Wall has come down. The Gulf War hasn't begun yet. Yeah. So there's all this kind of hopefulness. I don't think the recession has hit yet. That's coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, D-Light, that's coming your way soon, too. 
And so there you have that specific moment in time where things are changing. It's hopeful. And it's the new decade too, yeah. right? Because it's 1990. It like, is. This is something big and exciting. So we have a band is mostly three at this point, right? You have, it there's a fourth later, two. right? It started with two. In 1986, we have DJ Dimitri. Yeah. He had come over to America. I don't know how many years before that. That was like 82 or something. It might have like been, that. yeah. Because was... he still had a... Ukrainian accent. I want to say Russian accent, and I recognize I am incorrect, I think, on that. But he's coming out of USSR, Mm -hmm. which is already an interesting thing. You have a USSR expat, so to speak. I'm not sure the circumstances that got him out of the USSR. Mm -hmm. And then you have Lady Lady Miss Miss Kier. Right. And her birth name is... Kieran Magenta Kirby. That already is kind of a cool name. Oh, I know, right? Magenta. You could have stuck with that, but that's okay. Yeah. So Lady Miss Kier. So the two of them in 1986 meet up in New York. She's coming out of one of those steel towns, I think. Is it... uh, It's not Youngstown, is it? I think it was, actually. She was born in Youngstown, Ohio. Then she lived in Pittsburgh, Virginia Beach, and Washington, D.C. So she moved to New York at 17 to study fashion at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Yeah. And of course, that's a huge part of of what they do, right? She designed her own outfits. Yeah. And do you know where the two of them met? Well, they met at a club. And apparently it was an event called Wigstock. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big, I think it was like a big drag queen event. Okay. And so, and, and all those sort of elements play into the band as well. Yes. The story goes. She dropped out of school, like, right away. She came disillusioned, like, really early in her university career, college career. And she just started creating outfits, designing and creating outfits for club acts. Right. So that's how she met DJ Dimitri, is she made a, an outfit for him, because he was DJing at a club. Oh, I wondered if she made all the... I wonder if she made all their she outfits. She did, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. That was part of her thing. She did all the design. She did all the fashion. Like, the sort of aesthetic of the band was all her. And so she was a go-go dancer and he was a DJ. Yeah. And she said their main goal was to go either DJ and dance. Yeah. So they end up being romantically linked. Yeah, they ended up getting married. Did they? That's what Song Facts tells me. Oh, yeah, because they were done by 93. Yeah, they broke up because from what I understand, it was always a tumultuous relationship. Yeah, rocky relationship I read there, I guess. uh, So they were a romantic thing from 86 to 93. Yeah. Band lasts till 94, I think. Yeah, so they had broken up romantically, but then they continued on. And their last two albums really didn't get the same push that World Click did. Right, right. But yeah, that was essentially the, the end of the band was after the third album. Okay. And it was the, there was the two of them. Yep. But then they had a fan in a DJ whose name was Toa Tay, right. I believe. Yep. The one uh, webpage that I'm looking at when he joined D-Light, his name was DJ Toa Toa. So he was a fan of the band and he sent them a, a sample of his DJing and then they asked him to join the band. I think there was a fourth later. Yeah, after, after, after DJ this. Toa Toa left. Yeah. Then oh, they brought okay. in the DJ, All right. DJ Annie. In this incarnation of the band, the original yeah. band, you have a DJ from the Ukraine, mm-hmm. you have a DJ from Tokyo, and you have Lady Miss Kier yep. from well, the USA. Like, yeah, Steel Middle Town America. U- yeah, yeah. Steel Town USA. 
and they all are in New York and they're making music and you have that kind of underground the global scene. Village. They are I the global Yeah, and that's what she talked about in this interview in nineteen ninety with her and Dimitri. I think they were sitting in a bed and they were talking about what they're doing. It was pretty cool. So um she uh wrote the lyrics to this song before she even heard the musical loop. Okay. So according to um her notes on the like the reissue of the album. And the, the song existed long before they got their record deal. Yeah, they were performing it at the clubs and everything before. And they signed a seven record deal, I thought. Oh, that would explain why she was never able to release a solo album. Yeah. She wasn't able to stick with the label. Yeah. Now, song facts and my research from DJ Meg, where she was interviewed, mm-hmm. kind of conflict here. Because in song facts, they claim it was DJ Dimitri, but in DJ Meg... In an interview with Lady Miss Cure, she states that she wrote Bootsy Collins a fan letter in 1988 and sent him the demo for... For Groovies in the Heart? Yeah. Okay. And he said, if you ever get signed, let me know and I'll come down for some sessions. So Bootsy Collins already then. Now he's coming out of the George Clinton... Yeah, the Parliament, uh, Parliament Funkadelic, Funkadelic yeah. right? And now I wonder in the 80s, because the 70s is rejected so wholeheartedly, I wonder how much they're kind of underground too. I don't know what's going on, but Bootsy Collins, of course, feels like the fourth member to me when you watch the yes. video. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's absolutely. There. And yeah. They sh- he shows up at the MTV Music Awards with him. He's like there yeah. all the time. And yeah. in the song, he's a big presence. Yeah, because in, in Song Facts, it said that he was a fan and basically helped them along. Yeah, he was a big help. And then he brought in more members of the funkadelic parliament thing yeah like there's a uh, sax player and a horn player yeah right? uh, fred wesley and is it macy or macchio parker yeah it's incredible so they just all these different things working together for this band there's more to say and it's hard to get there because there's so much i want to talk about but yeah. they're the log on the fire that just explodes because not only do they have Bootsy Collins bringing back the 1970s funk, they have Q-Tip on this song. Yeah. And this is before Tribe Called Quest has made it big yeah. at all. Q-Tip, I don't even know if he's in, but they said he was in some, like a jungle group they talked about. And there's the mm-hmm. native tongues that Toa Toa would have been interested in and, and connected with the Tribe Called Quest stuff. Yeah. And so Q-Tip is brought on to do a rap on this song. Yeah, which is bonkers. 1990, that's when A Tribe Called Quest released their first album called People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. And this was all part of that sort of jazz-infused hip-hop rap that was coming out at the time. So you had bands like Tribe Called Quest, Dream Warriors, De La Soul, and they all had that sort of retro sample feel to them too because they took like Quincy Jones loops and uh, Lou Reed and all that other sort of stuff. They took that retro music as well and sampled it into there. So it has a similar feel. That's right. And the De La Soul album comes out in 89, like three stories yeah. high or something uh, uh, like three that? Feet, three feet high and rising. Okay. Such a good album. Yeah. And so this comes out where you have singing, you have funk in there, you have rap in there, you have all these different elements of dance music that really do seem to bring together the world in terms of what music is. So rap, you got Japan, USSR, and then just well, and you got funk, white America. You got to, yeah. yeah. And you had everything sort of mashed in together in this, in this one song, in this one band. It might be the most hopeful thing. 
yeah. that we could think of. Exactly, right? So I'm going to tell you some uh, little trivia about Q-Tip here for his part. And we're, of course, we're going to go into this more. But the interlude, which is his Q-Tip's rap, he listened to the song in the studio. This is according to Dimitri. And then he just said, okay, give me 15 minutes. Leaves, <laughs> comes back, said that he laid down the rap and the backup vocal all in around two takes. That's it. Seriously. Done. So you have all these people at like peak game, total confidence. They're so young. They don't even know yeah. what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like us. Exactly. But, but we're much older. We're we still, much older. Yeah. We still don't know what we don't know. I think we're really going to hit our stride in our 60s, Bill. Oh, totally. Totally. We, we peak later. Yeah. <laughs> Couple things. This is the second bona fide dance song we've done. Because we did What is Love. Yes. And that kind of set us up. recently, too. Yeah. And I feel like we didn't bring any of our friends on who would have been well-suited to help us on this journey. Yeah. We're really uh, doing this live without a net. Yeah, exactly. We had training wheels when we had Nate on for What is Love. But here we are. Nate's pushed us on the bike. We're pedaling. He's super proud of us. And we're heading right for a ditch. So, question for you. Do you want to work through the song first or talk about the myriad of samples? I think talk through the song, bringing up the myriad of samples. Okay. All right. Because this is going to be something. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Uh, piggybacking off of that, D-Light started their own label called Sampletastic because yes. they sample so much. After purchasing the highly influential AK sampler in 1987. Yeah. They started this company. So I guess there's some sort of sampler. Whatever it was, it was incredible because this is unbelievable. Yeah. The amount of samples that are on here. And the sampling really started when DJ Toa Toa came on because that was his main thing was sampling. Because he didn't play any instruments at the time. He was just a straight DJ. And neither did uh, Lady Miss Cure. Yeah. But DJ Dimitri actually went to music school in the USSR and he was he was actually trained. And okay. apparently into rock music when he first came over, but okay. then got into the DJ scene. Oh, okay, cool. So he's the only one who could play, but the others... And this is a history of sort of the hip-hop scene, is that if you don't have opportunities to learn music, you find it in other ways. And so sampling becomes a form of music. Exactly, yeah. And for those who, um, pardon my language, Frank, poo-poo the whole hip-hop movement and sampling, should take a listen to this and to see what they were able to do with the humongous amount of records that went into this. Yeah, exactly. It is an art form to be able to piece together these completely different genres and these different samples and the, the all this different music into one cohesive piece. Yeah. And so that takes us right to the beginning of the song. Should we jump right in? Yeah, let's hit it. Okay. That opening couple lines, did you find out where it was from? No. Okay, I'm going to play it for you right now, Frank. At some point, she's going to speak. We're going to dance and exercise and have <laughs> some fun so that you will fully enjoy yourself. How about getting... That's amazing. Yeah. What's that from? Belly dancing uh, instructional record from the late 60s. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Just to begin with, it's like, wait a second, where did they find this? And that, so I went through the Genius website that has annotations on the yep. lyrics, and they said the mark of like great samplers are taking something that's so far removed and then yeah. making it. And this song to me does a whole bunch of this. Because I always assumed that was just a vocal sort of filter that they put on Lady Miss Cure. Yeah. And she was singing, we're going to dance. But and, and we spoke about this beforehand. There are so many misheard, misunderstood lyrics yeah, yeah, for yeah. me on yeah. this. I always thought it was, we're going today, we're going today, we're going today and have some fun. Yeah, but it's dance. Dance, yeah. And it's Belshazzar, Tommy Ganopoulos, and the Grecian Knights. And it all <laughs> yeah. is, the, which is odd. And it's about belly dancing. Yeah. It's a belly dancing instructional video. Or not a video because this is the late 60s. Yeah. So it's so those it's records. A, just a record, yeah. So picture this. DJ Toa Toa and DJ Dimitri would do these things as would Tribe Called Quest and Dilla Soul and all those hip hop outfits. Yeah. Every Sunday or Saturday, they go to the record show. Yes. And they just go through and they pick. Someone decides to pick a belly dancing instructional record. Yeah. Just because. Yeah. And so these guys spend all day walking through every track on these albums. And you have to drop the needle on it. There's no fast forwarding. You're listening until you catch something. So they're just listening closely all day. Yeah. This is the job. It's a study, really. It's incredible. It's crazy. Okay, so that's the first. And then the intro comes in. Oh, Bootsy Collins says, dig. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing, Frank. I thought the whole thing was interesting. It is. Here is the very interesting thing that doesn't negate the interestingness of everything else. Okay. We see Bootsy Collins in there with his bass. Yeah. However, that bass line is Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Bootsy Collins doesn't play bass at all on this, but he's primarily, he's a bass player. That's what that's what he did in the Funkadelic. I mean, he, other than having amazing style. So this is the crazy thing. So when the question, of course, is what's Bootsy Collins doing in the studio? He's got his bass, but he does say to them, when he shows up, do you need a horn player? I'll bring a horn player. So he's bringing in people. Yeah. And then he does all these extra things for them. I mean, his whole spoken word thing over top really does make it. In the same yeah. way we talked Supercat with Fly. Yes. But Bootsy Collins is a whole other thing because, I mean, he's bona fide. Oh, yeah. The man has pedigree. Oh, my goodness. The man's seen things. Oh. The man's done things. Groove is in your heart. So, did you hear the um, Herbie Hancock song? Yes, but let's, let's play, it, play here. it here. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah. So, that's from the movie Blow Up. Yeah. That I did see with Nathan Holmes. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I also thought it was super weird yeah. and ended in a way that I still don't understand. Maybe we'll get Nate back on to explain to me the endings of these movies we watched. Yeah. Okay. So there's another one. There's the bass line. Now, I think they just used that Herbie Hancock bass line, although I was hoping it was actually Bootsy Collins just replaying it. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I, I think th they I just think sampled the bass line. Totally. Yeah. Then they sampled a ton more. So we'll just kind of yeah. touch on them. So we got Bootsy saying dig, and then we jump into that first verse. analysis time nathan has already told us the rules of analysis for the dance floor are 
You can't hold it to this sort of perfect linear narrative thing. No, it's a feel. It's a feel. However, this song actually does pull off both. Okay. I think it does. Yeah. We're going to make the argument for it. Okay, here we go. The chills that you spill on my back keep me filled with satisfaction when we're done. Satisfaction of what's to come. I couldn't ask for another. No, I couldn't ask for another. We'll you pause know that's there. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you Thank you, Bootsy. The chills that you spill on my back keep me filled with satisfaction when we're done. Satisfaction of what's to come. All right, so um, I have written here double entendre, although it might be single. Is there more than one way to read this or just is there really just one way? I think there's really just one way to read it. Well, we're a family podcast here, Frank. and it's about uh, holding hands. That's right. So, uh, you know, let the listener be aware of what it's about, but Frank and I will not tell you. Lady Miss Keir and her best guy. DJ Dimitri. Yeah. At this time. Yeah. At this time, yeah. Yeah. Are enjoying their love for each other. Yes. Okay. I think that's the safest way of saying this. I think so, yeah. Okay. Now we go to the second part, or I th- I'm at least in mine, second half of verse one. Mm-hmm. Your groove I do deeply dig. No walls, only the bridge. My supper dish, my succotash wish. Sing it, baby. I couldn't ask for another. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I couldn't ask for another. Your groove I do deeply dig. No walls, only the bridge. My supper dish, my succotash wish. All right, part two here of verse one. We have uh, the groove I do deeply dig. So it says your groove. We don't know if she's still talking to her lover or the DJ or just the music itself. Yeah, because the song does kind of transition from a point of being a sexual song to a song about dance. That's right. Which, you know, we've been warned that that one leads to the other. Yeah. Sex can lead to dancing <laughs> exactly. sometimes. I know I set myself up for that. So when she says, no walls, only the bridge, the genius annotations are like, don't forget the Berlin Wall just came down the year before. I'm like, okay, I get that. And then only the bridge can refer to bridge of a music song okay. or the idea of bridges is bridges, what they yeah. do. They're bridging cultures. Yeah. And it's a world click. Again, the global village. Exactly. And now uh, I'm looking forward to this one. My supper dish, my succotash wish. She must have enjoyed poetry. Yeah. Because this sounds so good. It's yeah. almost like the sound is better than whatever you want it to mean because it's such a great play on words. Yeah. Okay, so you were going to talk about succotash. Let's hear it. I was always curious about what this means. So finally, I take this opportunity to type it into the Google. And I've never really known what succotash is, but succotash is like a corn-based dish. It's a staple food. It's a cheap yeah. food. It's yeah. it's a filler food. Yeah, and it comes out of like Native American yes. diet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like corn, lima beans, other shelled legumes and stuff like that. And then the the term my succotash wish, which is playing on the whole retro feel, but even more retro than the 60s that the song is about. This is a term that comes from uh, the Depression era. Right. At least what I read about it was a succotash wish is to dare to dream of a luxury. So in the depression in the 30s, to dream of something outside of the poverty that people were 
experiencing at the time, that would be considered a succotash wish. They're living in like austerity measures. Yeah, yeah. And to dream outside of that is it's really far fetched because you're not going to have steak. You're going to have succotash. So your succotash wish is for this. Okay, I see. I see. And we did this all so far without talking about Daffy Duck because apparently succotash. uh, Or is it Sylvester the cat? Suffering oh, oh, yeah. So suffering succotash apparently is a euphemism for suffering savior. Okay. And I was like, okay, I don't even I don't even know how that even happened, but this is not what she's talking about. Because Raymond Daly, a Reddit contributor, <laughs> posted <laughs> You said that like I should have known who I know. it was. <laughs> I love this pause I could give you there. Raymond Daly, who's on Reddit. <laughs> just in case you're wondering tweeted the question to lady miss Kier and said it's probably been asked before but exactly what is a succotash wish and she responded and said one that's good enough to eat so if i go back to it my supper dish my succotash wish so i guess you're eating their supper dish yeah that's how good it is yeah so that's the t- but that also goes with what you were saying you're dreaming of that incredible meal right yeah so that's the succotash yeah. wish it doesn't always have to just be about food though too you know it could be about boats or could be about boats, boats. i don't think it's about boats boats or luxury or, or anything oh. like that right so it's yeah what's your succotash wish frank well i was thinking of maybe the podcast being really successful well there's and that then, too, and yeah. we retire early yeah and then own that boat we talked about the guilt-free pleasures but we'd spell guilt-free weirdly so we could get along with all those other white wine drinking um boaters yeah it'd have to be a pun right oh man and so she says i couldn't ask for another no i couldn't ask for another i love this like she's so satisfied with life that she can't ask for another this is this is good she is satisfied someone had written by someone, I mean genius annotations, <laughs> said, unlike Mick Jagger, she is satisfied. satisfied it yeah. begins with her being satisfied. Yeah. And so Mick Jagger's thing was like, I'm not satisfied in all these ways. She's almost going backwards. Yeah. I'm satisfied in the way Mick Jagger mostly wasn't satisfied. And now I'm satisfied with the music and I'm just going to keep being satisfied. Yeah. Unlike Richard Marks, who wouldn't stop till he's satisfied, she is already satisfied and she's still enjoying life. Can you name another song about satisfaction? No, you know what? I wish I had one. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I can definitely come up with another satisfied song. And then I realized I couldn't. One of the things I really like about the song is there's the lyrics and the singing, but there's all these little things that are happening, like the Bootsy Collins spoken word uh, backing vocals and everything. And in the first verse, it's like, I couldn't ask for another. I, 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 like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it sounded like a dolphin there. You did but, it. You pulled it off. Uh, did I? That's why all these dolphins are at her door, You're which really is really dangerous. You're a liar saying that yeah. I pulled that off. Yeah. I looked to the left, didn't I? I yes. tried to look to the right, but my eyes kept shifting left. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go. We go to chorus here. Groove is in the heart. Groove is in the heart. Groove is in the heart. Astronomical. Groove is in the heart. Oh, hit me. <laughs> The 
chorus is just the chorus. It just speaks the truth, right? That's that's it. Is this where the side whistle comes in? The slide whistle is all over the place in it. All right, so we just went back to the song, and I realized that when you hear this, I'm playing music in between, and so the side whistle is definitely there. Yeah. But that side whistle is a... Slide nu- whistle. Oh, is that... Not to the side. No. The slide. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, that's why it sounds that way. Yeah. Okay. Like you're going down a slide. Yeah. Boop. Do they play it on the front or the side? In the front. Okay. Now, that comes from another song. Yes. That song is Get Up by Vernon Birch. Yeah. They not only take the side whistle. Slide whistle. Oh, my goodness. You sure it's not a side? Side whistle sounds a bit cooler. Uh, does it? No. Okay, they take the slide whistle, but also the whole tambourine part of the song. Yeah. Have you heard the song? Yes. You're going to hear it now. You're going to hear it again. So the side whistle. Slide whistle. Oh my goodness, Frank. I'm sorry. The slide whistle plays really long, but I feel like they they, they make it shorter on this, unless I wasn't listening closely. Sure. <laughs> okay. I think that, that's a, a comment you can make. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. But that's another one. Just an, they wait. You got to wait three minutes to get there in the song. Yeah. So they use the tambourine and that part. Oh, there's so much more. Man, it's a lot. It's a lot to try to get through. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. There's so many interesting samples that go on. So I think I might only talk about one more when we get to it. Okay. So they go grooves in the heart, grooves in the heart. And then they have the break where Bootsy Collins says, watch out. Yes. In that first chorus, though, the third time they say Groove is in the heart, I have to say, and this is the part of the song that I like the most, Groove is in the heart, then Bootsy calls astronomical. Like, it's just comical the way that he says it. I love it. He's a perfect addition. Oh, absolutely. Now, when this song came out, the seven-inch single, in the UK anyways, had something called the peanut butter mix which cut out Q-Tip and Bootsy Collins. Oh, really? For obvious reasons from that time, they didn't want to hear anything that seemed like rap or funk, I guess. Oh, jeez, that's the it, worst. It is the worst. It's the absolute worst because this song is so great with it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, man, this is our attack on department stores. It starts here, it starts now. Sears, look out. I'm going to go back to the song here, Frank, because I want to hear this part at 122. Okay, so that I part? Yeah. It's crazy. This, ah, yeah, yeah. That's from Green Anchors or Green Acres. Green Acres. Yeah. Yeah, I always say Green Anchors. Yeah. Where um, Eva Gabor comes in and speaks. That's it. That one little spot. Seriously. It's crazy. That's bonkers. How did they get a sample of that? I don't even know. So they must have grabbed the song somehow at the record shop and then chose that. Oh, it's insane. There's like 11 samples here. So I'm going through. Who Sampled, which is a great website, and it just has 11 different tracks. That's crazy. Yeah, and and they tell you what it is. Vocal lyrics for Green Acres, and then there's a Billy Preston song called Uptight for for drums. Yeah. Then there's Jam on the Groove, Ralph McDonald, 1976, drums. Right on Ray Barreto, that one especially. Yeah. Drums. And then they keep going, Hateful Head Helen, Roy Ayers, Ray Barreto, 
elephant's memories. Half of these are just drum tracks, drum yeah. tracks, drum tracks. It is crazy the amount of samples. It's so amazing though that they can take and this is why i'm so impressed with people who understand music i just listened to the song and thinking okay groovers in the heart is this amazing track that these guys put together with a drum machine or they had someone like laying down a beat and they tracked over and tracked over and stuff like that but to listen to 11 different albums and pick out 11 different samples and smash them together in something, like I said, that is cohesive and comes together and just slaps like this song does and like the kids say. Yeah. The DJ Dimitri said, it was a lot of fun to make, but don't translate what I'm saying to mean that it was easy. He said they worked 18 hours a day on this song. Yeah. And so the only way this works is that if you're a DJ like Dimitri and Toa Toa, what they're doing is they are just compiling a list of of songs. And so this is in pre-internet era, of course. Like So yeah. they're writing out or typing out if they have a computer. I don't know, late 80s, I don't think that's even happening. I had a Commodore 64 in the okay. late 80s. Yeah. So they're playing California games yeah. and then writing on their piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. Where they're going to find these samples, but they're going to have to remember them in their head. Like they yeah. don't just have it at the at the get go. Yeah. So they have to know what it sounds like. So they have a functional memory of all these tunes mm -hmm. and they're making them work. And most likely trying, failing, trying, failing until it works. Yeah. Like the way we edit this podcast. So much failure in this podcast. You'd think this is just really one conversation. No. Not three years of work, which is what has gone into this podcast. This one specifically, this That's episode. Right. That's right. So let's head to verse two. The depth of hula groove moves us to the nth hoop. Watch out. All right. Okay, they're talking math here, though. You should understand that, I think right? so, yeah. Which means you're going on to, like, the forever. The nth is the yeah. end that you never reach. Like, an infinite thing. Yeah. But if you watch the video... That's a long time for her to be hula hooping. Yeah, she's doing hula hoop moves in yes. the video. That's the only way it makes sense. And you watch it, like, oh, that is a hula hoop. She's like, yeah. that's not there. Okay, so the depth of the hula groove... And so I guess this is go-go dancing stuff. Moves yeah. us to the nth hoop. This is where... I know you and I disagree on this, where I was going to say, and I'll spoil it now, I was going to say, misheard lyrics. No, there's no misheard lyrics. The misheard lyric is actually the lyric, because this is like a misheard lyric for me. Like, yeah. I swear she said, Horton hears a who. Yeah. And the line is, we're going to groove to Horton hears a who who. I couldn't ask for another. So Horton hears a who who. Or just one who, I think. Now, we know the who's from the Grinch who stole Christmas. Cause that's yeah, and Whoville. Who. Yeah. yeah, and Whoville. But now Horton hears a who. So this guy with, is he, he might be an elephant. He's an elephant, yeah. Okay, and he Horton. hears something with his big ears. Yeah. He's got a little horn hooked up, listens and hears these little tiny who's. Yeah, but they live on a speck of dirt. Right. And they're, so they're, they're tiny. That's what Whoville is. Right, okay. And they matter. Yes. Right. The takeaway from the book, according to Susan Jane Weiss is saying Horton is the ultimate metaphor for believing in yourself, your mission, and what you know to be true against societal prescriptions to the contrary. And that does sound like something Lady Miss Keir would say. Absolutely. Because everything I've read online about her post-Delight is that she is just a consummate welcoming presence. Yeah. People talked about her being on a dance floor 
and like giving them necklaces and stuff. You could call her out and shows that she's been playing recently and she'll just greet you and call you over and just be this sort of welcoming presence. Seriously. Yeah. That's awesome. And so she wrote the lyrics. This is her thing. And so she understands this sort of vision of life and vision of the world that she wants to bring forward. Yeah. And she does bring it. She's super cool. Yeah. And fascinating. We'll get, I'm sure, more into that as we go. But so now this has moved beyond just a a woman and her lover, but now into a, a much bigger thing. Yeah. It's less an intimate thing and more of a global dance thing, I would yeah. say right and now. And you're totally right because that moves to DJ Soul. DJ Soul was on a roll. So this person named DJ Soul is doing something, and she's been told he can't be sold. So he's no seller. That's right. So we're getting straight house music, not that typical stuff. He's not vicious or malicious. I always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Just the lovely little Cole Porter there, Frank, and delicious. That's actually a throwback. Apparently, they took their name from that Cole Porter song. And that's where D-Light comes from? Yes, the groovy. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because in the song, it goes, uh, uh, it's delightful, it's delicious, it's the lovely, the mm-hmm. Cole Porter song. So that's a little throwback to Cole Porter going even more retro again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, just checking all these boxes. Wow. Okay. Okay, Frank, on to the Q-tip part with some Bootsy Collins, giving some backup. Yeah. I like this because sometimes I feel like when I listen to some rap where I'm like, I don't know where they're going with it because there's so many different references and moving fast, but Q-tip sticks to the theme. Yeah. It makes it easier for me. Yeah. Okay. I don't know 100% what he's saying, but I can agree with what he's saying. Okay. Some looks in this torso. Yeah. That's a body. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Hot. Got a deal. You want to know? Delightful. Truly delightful. Making it, doing it, especially at a show. I feel this is dance moves. I think so. And those are like go-go dance moves is my guess. Yeah. Yeah, because she was a go-go dancer, yeah, yeah. right? So he's going to be referencing that. Yeah. Feeling kind of high, like a Hendrix haze. It's got to be Purple Haze, right? The The song. Music makes motion, moves like a maze. All inside of me, heart especially. I like that there, Q-tip. Yeah. Hilt of the rhythm where I want to be. Flowing, glowing with electric eyes. All right, that's a Michael Jackson song. Almost certainly, according to Genius Annotation. Oh, okay. Human nature. Uh-huh. Electric eyes. Na, 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 na. It's not quite that, but no. anyways, it's in there. Electric mm-hmm. eyes. You dip to the dive, baby yo, realize. Baby, you see the funky side of me. Baby, you'll see that rhythm is the key. Get, get with it, with it. Can't think, quit it, quit it. Stomp on the stoop when I hear a funk loop. Playing Pied Piper, follow what's true. Baby, just sing about the groove. Something looks in this torso. Hot got a deal, you won't know. Delightful, truly delightful. Making it, doing it, especially at a show. Feeling kind of high like a Hendrix haze. Music makes motion moves like a maze. All inside of the heart, especially hilt of the rhythm. Where I want to be. Come on, blowing, blowing with electric eyes. You dip to the dive, baby, you'll realize. Baby, you'll see the funk inside of me. Baby, you'll see that rhythm is a key. Get, get, with it, with it. Can't think, quit it, quit it. Stomp on a stoop when I hear a funk group. Blue play a pop pipe. Follow her to shoot. Baby, just sing about the groove. Sing it. The groove is in the heart. 
and that sort of second half, it's all about dance. Yes, From exactly. the, you dip to the dive, baby, you'll realize, all the way to the end, it's all just, it's just dance. And dancing with someone and then realizing things about the person you're dancing with. Like, yeah. you're going to see the funky side of me. You're going to see that rhythm is the key. And yes. there's something that bodies dancing together speak messages. Yeah. And Nate sort of referenced that too. Yeah. Like you're experiencing the song. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about the lyrics, but it's about how you feel and express it out on the dance floor. Yeah. And they nail it, right? Playing yeah. Pied Piper, which yes. is they play the tune, follow what's true. And I love the idea of true and following the heart. He yeah. brings up earlier when he says, heart especially. Music makes motion, but then he says heart especially. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Q-tip. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It is so profound. And then we, go, of course, go to Groove is in the Heart, and then we move along, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to get horns. You're going to get like, well, I mean, I'm moving fast here, but there's a moment in the song where it just goes bananas to me, and it's yeah. this. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> it's crazy. I love it. Yeah. It's so fun. Exactly. It hits right? all the things that make music wonderful. that's one of the things that I'm so disappointed with 13-year-old me about. It's like, this was such a fun song. Why couldn't you just appreciate it for the fun that it was? Why did you have to be so Brian Mulrooney about this? <laughs> nice job. You know what? I talked to uh, a friend today who's been on our podcast a few times about the things we hated when we were younger and why we hated them. And one of the reasons was, according to him, and I think the same for me, is like the people who bullied me like this music, therefore I hate this music yeah. because of how I got treated. I think back to, well, I mean, we all went through things, like varying degrees of this stuff. Yeah. And so, so much of what we do here in this podcast is reclaim those songs. Yeah. Right? And this is where, it's not nostalgia per se, but it is something where we're saying, no, no, these songs are good. I can like them. Well, because we are... We're growns up. We're, we're peaking. Exactly. But not like, we're not going to go down. We're at a summit that goes forever. Yeah. Okay? We're never going to die, Frank. <laughs> well, you've seen the Highlander, right? There can only be one. All right. Well, let's go down in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Okay. That might be foreshadowing. It might be. We're coming to the end of our analysis of the song. There is another version of the song out there that has more going on. Like we talked about the peanut butter, not a solution, but disaster. Yeah. Which the peanut butter mix, which cut out Bootsy Collins and Q-Tip. Yeah. There's another version that has Bootsy Collins rapping on Oh, it. seriously? Dig, let me give you a plug, sweet lips, while I'm on the air. Now bend over my body and uh, rub your fingers through my hair. That's your mouth awesome. like water, a very beautiful sight. Now put on my favorite group. Uh, they call themselves uh, Delight. The chills. That's amazing. <laughs> and there's so many more. There's like three raps. Oh, it's so good. That's so good. 
Oh, man. That is so good. Oh, come on. I could play it all day. There's so much goodness from the Boosie yeah. Collins raps. There's like three or four raps in this That's one thing. awesome. So I imagine he came in there and just started spitting his raps, or yeah. he wrote them out. I'd like to think he wrote them out. Yeah. And there's this whole other world of tunes. I don't know when it got released, because I was trying to look at the history, and the... Um, this one's called Bootsy Collins to the Nth Degree, I think. I think that's it. Bootsified to the Nth Degree. That's what it's called. Okay. I don't think it came out until recently. Oh, really? I think. I, I couldn't see, like, unless it was on the D-Light. Uh, apparently, this is the Groove in the Heart. It could be in the U.S. version of the EP, but Wikipedia didn't say it, but according to Spotify, it's from 1990. And so, if you bought the EP, you'd hear it. But yeah. my goodness, it's so fun. That's crazy. He that's might so be the amazing. most fun guy in the world. Honestly, yeah. So um, there's so much more to get out of this. So I'm not stepping in a remix corner. That's uh, our friend Nathan Holmes's world. However, there's a whole bunch of versions of this, but the Bootsified to the max. To or, the nth degree. So yeah, to the nth degree. That's the one that I would hold up with this because it's so fun. Yeah. The extended mix, which I thought I'd be for, I'm not because it's missing the whole beginning. Oh, okay. Which is like, I want the belly dance Yeah, thing. that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, I need that. So yeah. the number one is the album version, which is the version. But yeah. then uh, get your way to the Bootsified. We'll put it in our um, mixtape. In our mixtape. I'll put yeah, it in Absolutely. There. Okay. All right, Frank. Uh, we've made our way through the song. Video? This is, uh, we've said it before, iconic. Yes. It really is. There's not a story going on throughout it or anything, mm -hmm. but they do some really, really neat things in it. It starts off with Lady Miss Cure at the beginning, but then it goes into like a scene and it has this huge retro aesthetic to it and it's all green screened. So they have the, the background with the psychedelic images and it starts with like a dance party. So it's reminiscent of things you would see from like a 1960s movie where there'd be like a dance scene at a club or I wrote down like something at the factory that Andy Warhol would have. Something like that, like this this dance party, right? Yeah. Then it just jumps into basically the band. So Lady Miss Keir, uh, DJ Dimitri, DJ Toa Toa, Bootsy Collins. But what's his, uh, the, the saxophone player comes in just like <laughs> just towards the end, just walks on. But it's all green screened. And I don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was accidental because green screen technology obviously back in 1990 wasn't the same as it is now. So you're going to miss some of this crispness about it. Yeah. But all the characters in it, there's a bit of a blurred edge around them, almost like a glow that's coming off them. Watch it. It's really neat. It almost makes them look otherworldly. Yeah. Or like they're like some like orthodox um, icon or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's it's, it's really great. neat. That's what yeah. like I watched the video a couple of times before you came over and that's one of the things I picked up. I I thought maybe it was accidental, but if it was, that's amazing. If it was on purpose, it's even more amazing. Oh, man. I mean, we have to talk about her dance moves. Oh, she dances like she's bonkers. And if you watch the Arsenio Hall yeah. performance, she does the same dance. The one is the full body roll. Yeah. And I tried to do that today. Did you hurt your back? Yeah. Yeah, I hurt mine too when I tried it. Oh, you did it this week? <laughs> I was a lot of pain. I'm like, oh no, we'll put this on Instagram. Like, I need to like do it like a month of yoga yeah. to do this. 
It was really difficult. So there's the one, the full body roll, which she's conscious of doing. Apparently, it was a big deal for dancers in New York at the time. But then there's another one that they called on Genius. They called it a TikTok shake. But according to my research online, they called it the baby doll. Okay, which one was that move? The baby doll is the one where she kind of moves her hands back and forth oh, and moves her yeah, head. So yeah. it's almost kind of like, um, all I'm thinking of is that movie, Megan. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this looks way more dangerous and creepy than it should because Megan's a killer doll. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch that movie? Yes. Did you like it? It wasn't bad. Yeah. There's another couple of moves that she does that I really like. The one is she puts her one hand on her head and her other arm is just spinning in these big circles. Love that move. And then she does the Pee Wee Herman dance. The uh, Yeah. I was I was hoping there'd be a website just listed her dance moves. Yeah. We should ask, ask some of our friends who are dancers. Maybe yeah. they could even chime in. I don't even know what if it's called the Pee Wee Herman dance. He does do that dance when he's... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's tequila. T- t- yeah. Tequila, yeah. And there's also the DJ Dimitri dance. Yes. Which I feel like is a doable dance, which yeah. we knew that... Because during COVID, as we say, as though COVID ever went away, but still there. But during the COVID (laughs) lockdowns, people were doing the DJ Dimitri dance and posting on TikTok. Oh, were they? Okay. And so I was watching him dance. I'm like, oh, this feels like I could dance. I could learn to dance like this. It's not too tough. Yeah. But he's so cool. And you're not going to hurt your back probably. No, but he's like able to do it because it seems so natural to him. And he's not worried about what people think about him, unlike us in 1990. Oh, exactly. Watching this video and watching the dance moves and they're kind of all over the place. And this has got to go back to her time as being a go-go dancer. It's completely carefree. There is no worry about judgment or anyone criticizing them. They're just going for it. And it's it's so fun. It's yeah. so amazing. Well, it's the way we want to be. Yeah. We're, we're headed towards that. Yeah, I For think the so. Bill and Frank Guildfree Pleasure Dance Party. Yeah. Whenever we actually pull it off. It'll be really awkward for when it's just us and like three other people. Oh, it will be. It'll be glorious. All right. So, Frank, did you look at the uh, Billboard uh, top whatever? Yeah. So, it spent three weeks at number four. Right. On the top 100. So, I picked the first week that it was at number four. But this is kind of because of the other songs that were on the list at the time. This is my favorite list. Okay. For when it uh, it peaked. So, the top 10 songs at the time start at number one, Mariah Carey, Love Takes Time. Mm Mm-hmm. Number two was Pray by MC Hammer. Number three, More Than Words Can Say by Alias. Oh, wow. Which is an amazing song. Groove is in the Heart, number four. I'm Your Baby Tonight, Whitney Houston. Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice. Wow. Number seven was Something to Believe in by Poison. And this is the reason why I picked this list, because it had number eight, Because I Love You, the Postman song by Stevie B. Yeah, it was all there. Yeah. Number nine, a former number one. I Don't Have the Heart by James Ingram. Oh, there it is. And number 10 was From a Distance by Bette Midler. It's amazing From a Distance existed. I know, There's right? no way it would ever be on the charts now. No. The, no but no. at that time, you had Bette Midler still was able to do From a Distance. This is after Wind Beneath My Wings. Yes. Swan song of Bette Midler. Yeah. I feel that if Groove is in the Heart came out today, it might not go to number one, but it would still get a lot of airplay. And I want to point out, this is considered a one-hit wonder song, because this was their only big song on the Billboard charts. But in the five years that this band existed, 
they had six number one dance tracks. I don't know them all, but I, yeah. I read that. Like, they were very, very popular on the dance scene. They did well. And this song doesn't need to hit number one. No. Because it just stays. It has endured longer than any of the other songs. It is still going to be the song that Mike Balsam, when he's being a wedding DJ, is going to throw it on. Exactly. Right? And this is going to be a tune that just keeps going. Kids yeah. are still going to dance to it. All right. Let's do some categories here, Frank. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go through this. Um, worst possible version of this song. And I want to dedicate this to Nathan Holmes. And I want you to pick between these two versions. A coffeehouse version oh. or, or a swing version. Which would be worse for Groove is in the Heart? Now, I want you to think about it. Let's see. Swing. Groove is in the heart. I don't even know how to do it. No. Like a like a postmodern jukebox. Yeah. Barbershop. That at least could be, be kind of fun. A little bit fun. But how about someone? Oh no. Oh, the Ernest. Yeah, coffee Ernest house? like Groove is in the heart. Yeah. Just on the acoustic guitar. Shake oh. it, baby. Yeah. Let's experience that right now. Let's think about being at a coffee house where they do Groove is in the heart, but so earnestly. Your chills are up my spine. Bill, no. Oh, stop yeah. it now. Watch. Stop everything yeah. you're saying right now. <laughs> you're rethinking all the music you've liked. <laughs> I'm rethinking having this podcast <laughs> yeah, with that's you right, right Fair now. enough. Fair enough. All right. So it wins. Coffeehouse version, yeah. which is what Nathan did say on our original yeah. dance party thing. Yeah. The worst possible thing imaginable is a coffeehouse version like of dance Like the earnest cause. Anything yeah. earnest. Yeah. It is earnest. But the earnestness comes out of being free. I think it's mixtape time. Wait. Is it? Do we do mixtapes on this thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny, Frank. Very funny. All right. Groove is in the heart mixtape. How are you feeling about your mixtape? I took a bit of a different direction on this one. Mm-hmm. 1990. New decade. Hope and all these other things that are coming from it. We're 13 years old. We're starting to be growns up. Yeah, so okay. 1990 sure. has a bit of a special place, perhaps, for, for me. Right. So these are all songs from 1990. Okay. Similar feel and everything. Oh, man. Okay, so, let's hear this. All right. Let's see what's left of my mixtape when you're done. <laughs> so we're going to start off with probably the big one, You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Oh, yeah. Poison, Bill Biv DeVoe. Yes. Going to Make You Sweat, CNC Music Factory. Did they ever, huh? Mm-hmm. Feels good, Tony Tony Tone. Oh yeah. Can I kick it? A tribe called Quest. Very good. Your tip. Closing good. it all off with Crazy by Seal. Oh man, I still remember watching Baywatch when they played Seal. I think it was like one of the first episodes. Oh, okay. And I remember every other song that Seal put out. I was like, nah, this isn't as good as Crazy. Why yeah. did you stay with that? Crazy had that, pardon the term, crazy drum breakdown, that bridge in it, which was bonkers to me. Did he have dreadlocks in the video? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I associated his losing hair with losing the crazy. Yeah. Once he started balloting. Yeah. All right. What's yours? Thank goodness you didn't pick any of mine because it's very similar. Songs that came out around that time, maybe a year earlier, that have the same enduring feel. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. First one is Freedom 90, George Michael. Yes. What a tune. Almost made it on mine. Oh, my goodness. I remember the first time I heard that song. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I remember hearing it a couple years later. Like, Yeah, that's a good song. And it's like every time I hear it, like... This is so much better than I remember. And Faith was the big one. But Freedom 90 holds. Yeah. It's incredible. 
And Freedom Whatever from Wham! is pretty good too. <laughs> you had to call it 90 because they had a Freedom song. That's right, yeah. Next up, Vogue, Madonna. Oh, okay. Yeah. Came out the same year. Yes. And has that same sort of coolness, trying to reach the same culture. But I'm going to put it out here that Madonna always kind of seemed to me by this point to be like trying to jump onto a culture to claim it as her own. But she was already big by the time she's like, yeah, I do yeah. house music too. Whereas Delight are already there. Well, they came up through it. And they don't care about being popular. Yeah. And the next two albums, I like the next two albums. Yeah. Especially the third one. Yeah. The second one was... They got a little more political in the second one. Yeah. And they had a guy from Arrested Development in there, which I'm all for. But in the third one, they're like, nah, this is who we are. Back to dance. super cool. And their development was great. But Madonna was always like looking for number ones, looking for popularity, looking to conquer the world. And Delight wasn't looking to conquer. Yeah. They just wanted to exist. And they just wanted to embrace the world. But Madonna's a conqueror. But I love Vogue. So I don't want to take that away. That's why it's on your mix. Yeah. And it was in that movie, Dick Tracy, which you said was better than Batman. (laughs) I did no such thing. Remember when Dick Tracy came out? Yeah. It was supposed to be huge. Yeah. It was terrible. It was I went to the movie. I bought a shirt. I wore it oh. and it sucked. Yeah. All right. Next song, Back to Life, Soul to Soul. Oh, nice. That's from 1989. But to me, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super Absolutely. cool. Yep. Okay. And I just have one more. And this song, I feel matches Delight in terms of just enduring forever and not existing in time and space, but transcending it. DNA's. Kind of remix. Tom's, Tom's Diner. Diner. Oh, yeah. And yes. that just exists. It is perfect. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So that is my mixtape, Frank. Nice. We have a mixtape that now finally can come together. Yeah. Unlike the one we did for the first dance thing where I had to put your mixtape at the very bottom. I don't know if you checked, <laughs> I but I hit enter it, yeah. about 18 times so no one could find it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, was a terri- episode. that was a terrible mixtape. It, it was a terrible mixtape. Oh, oh, at least it was me. thematic. Yeah, it was. You did well. Yeah, I did well. Okay, well, we'll all join yours to mine this yeah, time. Okay. No walls, just bridges. Exactly. So where would you most likely hear the song? Oh, at a wedding. I think at a wedding at this point, I'm going to hear it. Like, I don't think I'll hear it as school dance, but I'm going to hear it at a wedding. That's where I think I'd hear it. Yeah. How about you? I'm going to say any great party that I go to. Exactly. It better be at your next birthday party. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. When is that? Is that on your birthday? Every year. <laughs> Every year. Oh, I'm ready to be a father. Y'all are crazy, man. So we want to thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on our odyssey through Delight's Groove is in the Heart. We talked about a lot, and there's something about this podcast that Bill and I come together every week, and we record this thing, and at the end, it keeps me filled with satisfaction when we're done, but also thinking of satisfaction of what's to come for next week's episode. 